Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sangai Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. Sangai with you. Coach Mike will be joining us later. We hope real fast before we get into the subject at hand today. Some show notes if you're looking for some professional wrestling tonight. You can catch me in Ocean Shores, Washington at the Convention Center for RWA. WCWO like every Friday night at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis. FGW happening over in Hamilton, Ohio. There's lots going on this week. If you have wrestling near you, get out there, support it. But today, a very special program we have going. We are going to be talking odd gimmicks in professional wrestling. This will cover a lot of ground, I'm sure. We could be here for days talking odd gimmicks, but I want to welcome two people that have seen, I'm sure, their fair share of odd gimmicks. First of all, a man that was the oldest rookie in professional wrestling, coming back to the show, Jarvis Young. Jarvis, great to have you back. Thanks much for being here today. Boy, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. And joining us, the man that gave us this idea, Chris Marks. Chris, welcome back, and thank you for thinking of this. I think it's going to be a very fascinating tale we tell today. Always happy to be on the show, man. Thanks for inviting me on. It was a fun idea. I think it was. And when you look at professional wrestling going back to the earliest days of it, wrestlers would don gimmicks to try to spark interest in what they were doing in the ring. So if the ring work wasn't while it's catching people's eye, hopefully the gimmick would be. We've seen any number of very, very odd gimmicks over the years from different types of mass gimmicks to people doing outlandish accents and uh, portraying something they clearly are not to just really bizarre mannerisms in the ring. So many different aspects of odd gimmicks. But I want to start off, I'll ask each of you this. In all of your days in pro wrestling, whether it be watching it on television or being in a locker room or observing it through magazines, whatever, Jarvis, what would you say is the oddest gimmick you've seen? Oh, my gosh. I don't... I've seen a few odd ones. Of course, uh, I met the boogeyman here about two years ago, and uh, he offered me a worm, and I I wouldn't take it. That wasn't exactly within my thing. I think – I don't know about odd gimmicks. I've just seen people that sometimes I thought just didn't need to be in the the business or studying for it. 
some guys came up to our school when I was studying under Skandar Akbar, and I had to take them aside and say, guys, you got to respect the business. you got to respect everybody around it. I had to tell them that a bar of soap was not a foreign object because nobody wanted to work with them. But as far as strange gimmicks, uh, I've got to go back. Most of my wrestling I watched was uh, back in the 60s. And uh, back then it was more stereotypical. You know, you had cowboys and Indians that were all good guys. And unfortunately you had a lot of gimmicks that had a lot of racial stereotypes that, you you know, I I just – but I'll have to think about that for a minute as far as just – Strange gimmicks. I mean, I look back. I remember seeing Dewey Robertson, the missing link at the old Dallas Sportatorium. Of course, just just a number of them. But I'll, I'll have to think about that for just a moment, Jason. No, okay, no problem. Chris Marks, what about you? I know you've seen your fair share. You probably sat next to a few in the locker room, read about some. What would you say is the all-time oddest? I hate to call you predictable, but I knew you were going to ask this question, so I researched a little bit, I have to admit. But uh, I was looking back over some odd gimmicks that I had seen during my time studying for for the business and everything, and I have to admit, like, as a bigger guy, I I had to watch some bigger guys work to get used to the new style I was going to work when I came back to the business in 2015. I was a smaller guy when I first started training, so I was watching bigger guys, trying to learn a bigger guy's style. And we all know Glenn Jacobs, better known as Kane, right? Everybody likes Kane. Um, Yeah. I don't know if everybody's seen any of this or not. In the very early 90s, he was in USWA and wrestled under a gimmick called the Christmas Creature. And I can't think of anything more obscure or weird or odd or goofy than that gimmick. That is the craziest thing I've ever seen him do. And to see him go from that to becoming Kane, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's hilarious to me. I mean, the guy come out with Christmas lights on his gear and wrestled as <laughs> the Christmas creature. It was hilarious. But it, it, even then, I mean, it, he, it, that right there is a good point to make. Even though he was this silly, goofy gimmick that he was running in USWA, you could still see that he was going to be a talented guy, even in that kind of gimmick, you know? On our very show, we had Kevin Lawler a while back, and he said, I believe it was his mother made the outfit for the Christmas creature, (laughs) thought it would be a good idea to sew little tiny Christmas bells on it without thinking they were come off and scattered all over the ring the first time he hit the mat. The the first time I ever watched like a like an entire match of him as Christmas creature, I can I, I I was in a different room and I had to walk downstairs to where my wife was working on some homework and I said, Hey, would you like to see the craziest damn thing you've ever seen in your life? And she said, Sure. And I said Imagine if an ugly Christmas sweater became a professional wrestler. And I showed her the match, and she just died laughing. Uh, and then he went on to become oh. the uh, dentist with bad teeth. Yes, he did. Uh, he was Isaac Like. Like as silly as that gimmick was, it was great. He did it. He he did amazing with it, even though it was silly. 
Well, you now, go back to Kevin's past. All of us here, of course, have worked on the independent circuit, and at the independent level, guys will try basically anything to try to connect with an audience and try to get noticed, and that sometimes leads to some very odd gimmicks that most fans won't ever know or see, but they exist in small towns and small promotions at the local level. Jarvis, what's the oddest independent gimmick you've seen? Well, this is kind of, this was kind of a first, there was a guy that used to work for us. He was, he, he couldn't learn the business. I mean, he was a tough guy, but he just didn't do what he was instructed. He was very stiff, but uh, he came out there one night and tried to do magic tricks in the middle of the ring. And he did them poorly. He was, uh, uh, it looked like he got the stuff out of a Cracker Jack box. Uh, and, you know, I'm a magician, so I kind of, that just kind of hit a sour note with me. But he came out there, and before he started the match, he told everybody he wanted to do some magic tricks. And uh, he pretty much got booed out of, the, out of the middle of the ring. And uh, then I saw somebody else that tried to, do a ventriloquist uh, routine in the middle of the ring, which also didn't work too well. Chris Marks, what about you? On the independent level, what's the oddest you've seen? Oh, geez. Uh, I So, I don't know. So, point out real quick. I'm sorry to get off topic, but I, I have to point out real quick. When it comes to this topic, I think that you have to breach the guilty pleasure subject too, because while some gimmicks can be odd and silly and not get over, some of them can be goofy and weird, but it's like a guilty pleasure to watch them because they, they work. You know what I mean? So when you ask that question, that's, that's immediately where my brain goes is, is, uh, on the indies, you can be kind of goofy and you can be kind of odd and still have that guilty pleasure moment where you actually enjoy what you're seeing. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense, yeah. Okay, so I I can't recall the guy's name. I He does a different gimmick now, but I was working an independent show two-plus years ago. And there was a guy on the card. I found out it was his very first time in front of an audience, and you could not tell because he gave it 100%. And it looked great. But there's a, there's a guy in the, in, the, in the locker room that did a Mr. Rogers gimmick. He came out, and he had, like, a backpack on and the sweater vest. And he came out, and he was, like, talking to the audience. He was doing the high boys and girls and all that other stuff. And he had, like, sock puppets that he used in the ring and everything. It was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. It was so silly, but worked so well. It was so funny. Um, so I'd say that's probably one of them. Um, I, I, also, I also have to be a little self-critical. You know, uh, uh, Jason, and, and, and people that know my work know I work under a mask. So uh, I can't uh, give any specific names or anything like that. But when I started in the business back in 2004, it seems like forever ago, the very first gimmick I ever did has been explained to other people as a hot topic employee who just got off work and got right in the ring. 
which is not far off from what I was doing at the time. So it was pretty bad. It was pretty silly. It did not work. So I, I, I can be self-critical, too. I, I, I didn't exactly knock it out of the park with that one myself. Uh, for me, I don't know if the two of you are familiar or not, but there is a guy that wrestles primarily in the Midwest and a little bit on the East Coast named Shockwave the Robot. He <laughs> might be the oddest gimmick I've seen at the independent level. He has a robot costume and mask, moves robotically with really stiff, rigid movements, and he will breakdance mid-match a lot of times, which is just kind of an odd combination of things to have going, but I'm going to put Shockwave the Robot down as my independent oddest gimmick I've seen. And if you've not seen... He's my been on Botchamania, hasn't he? I believe so, yes. I think, I think I've seen him on Botchamania. I think you're talking about... I don't think he, I don't think he was on Botchamania because of anything he did. I think it was the guy who was working. I believe that's right, yeah. Not a bad worker, but it's just an odd gimmick for someone to do. I don't think I can see that. Oh, he's on the YouTube, Jarvis. He's on the YouTube. The other end of the spectrum, at the national level, they also are no stranger to having gimmicks out there that are very odd. Uh, People like Bastion Booger, Laser Tron, the Red Rooster, there's so many out there. Jarvis, at the national level, who would you say is the oddest gimmick? Well, I don't know if odd, but of course the big one I think about is when the Shockmaster tripped over the, you know, came through the brick wall and tripped over and his gimmick was over before it started. <laughs> and then I can, re- I can remember the Yeti. Remember the Yeti? The, uh, yeah. He looked like a, he looked like a giant mummy, and well, he looked like he was trying to hump Hulk Hogan when he got in the ring. It was just <laughs> so bizarre. You're sitting there going, "What am I watching?" I mean, you, these were the kind of things you just didn't you didn't see regularly when I first started watching wrestling because it was taken so seriously. But it was just just some bizarre things you've seen. I love the book Wrestle Crap. I don't ever read that, but uh, talking about all the yeah. weird gimmicks and stuff that have come down the pike. Chris Marks, what about you? What's the oddest gimmick at the national level? The first one that comes to mind as far as even as a kid watching it going, what is he doing? Like, I don't understand. It would be like Damien Demento. Like, it, it was at a time where a character like that made sense but also you had to sell it and he kind of came out with this look and then didn't sell it you know so that's the first one that comes to mind for sure not a bad pick all right i believe we are joined by coach coach are you with us all right we got one more hello do we have the call from the 425 Sign guy, hello, sir. This is John and Emily from the old school Tilly Love Championship Wrestling Days. John and Emily, thanks so much for calling in. Hello, hello. How goes it? It's going very, very well. How are you 
Emily? Doing well, thank you. It was a blast seeing you at Timber Pro, which was a great indie show. But on to the topic, worst gimmicks. I'd have to throw the zombie from the ECW rebranding that the WWE did as one of the worst. But he cut a great promo. He was a great linguist there, but yeah, his gimmick was very odd. It wasn't really sci-fi, but they gave the excuse, they tied it in to be with the sci-fi channel. Yeah, that and the gobbledygooker. Oh, gosh. Poor gobbledygooker. Especially to find out that you have made him so much talent underneath that, and that's the avenue they chose to use him in. He also did Lasertron, so he was used to odd gimmicks. (laughs) I actually saw Lasertron wrestle uh, when I lived in Virginia at the Norfolk Scope. I mean, he was a fantastic wrestler. He was just an odd gimmick for someone doing, like, a laser tag gimmick, essentially. (laughs) It was the 80s, man. Yeah, some of those things just don't age well. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, while we're talking about the national stage here, I got to mention one more, um, Jason. Uh, You guys remember Kerwin White? Yes, Chavo Guerrero's... Yeah, Chavo Guerrero's whitewash gimmick. I was just thinking about that yesterday. So funny. Oh, it was so bad. Oh, so bad. That one did not age very well. Not not in the least. Yeah, Chavo, poor man. Great guy. Great talent. Well, Emily, what yeah, about Chavo, the word you say is the oddest gimmick? Now oh, you're asking him? Uh, Emily. What's that? What would you say is the oddest, strangest gimmick you've ever seen? Uh, I would probably have to say Drexel. Derek Drexel, okay. Yeah, oh. uh, well, enough said there. <laughs> yeah. Now, Emily, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but Drexel, he was doing something in Everett where he'd been hit in the head and he became uh-huh. a hippie. Did you see hippie Drexel? Whoa. Okay, that's crazy. Well, it this dude loves it. Oh, wow. All right. I think my time is done. <laughs> like, if you think that regular Drexel is strange and odd, Ippy Drexel was a little bit stranger, a little bit more odd, just because you're expecting <laughs> one thing and getting the polar opposite. Wow. Well, well, a gimmick that I really didn't like was Simon Dean. I loved Nova in ECW, and the Richard Simmons gimmick, you know, maybe in the 80s could have worked, but it was way too late and way too weird. The Simon system. (laughs) Exactly. I'll follow the Dennis system, but not the Simon system. Do you remember Frogman LeBron? I'll go ahead. So do you remember Frogman LeBlanc? Yes. 
He's a good guy, not a bad worker, but he would come out in green, and sometimes he'd hop around like a frog. And uh, Skandar Akbar used to tell me about him, and uh, I think it was uh, Kabuki who would just Kabuki would just look at look at him like he couldn't understand. He said, Ak- Ak said it was just hilarious to see see Kabuki's reaction to it because he would still do the frog hop inside the dressing room and stay in character around the boys in the back. But very good, very nice guy, but that's just a strange gimmick. Could almost do a whole show on just animal gimmicks in the business. You know, they had guys like Red Rooster and Minotaur. And... I was thinking of that too, yeah, Minotaur. Uh-huh. Think of some more of like strange individual gimmicks in the wrestling business. We all know. There are strange gimmick matches, matches that have stipulations that are just utterly bizarre that makes you wonder why anyone would compete based on these rules. Jarvis, what's the odd gimmick match you've seen? That I've got to think about for a minute. I've seen so many of them. I know one that never worked was always the scaffold matches because the workers would get up there and the thing would shake and they were too afraid to do anything because they were scared to death for their lives. But I'm trying to think about something, some of the bizarre things because most things I can think of are pretty common, such as first blood matches and chain matches. And uh, I can always remember as a kid, they would blow off a feud with a boxing match, which would spar around for two minutes. And then the next thing you know, the gloves are off and they're... Uh, Doing back, you know, flipping each other off their backs. It always ended up into high flying. Uh, I'm trying to think right off the bat. I'm having a hard time thinking of anything at the moment. Chris Mark, what about you? What's the oddest gimmick match? Um, I, 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 I hate to use something that came across social media this morning, but something came across social media this morning that that fits the bill. Um, do, do you recall back in the Pinnacle days, uh, Jason, uh, uh, Taden Matthews and Rizek had the mistletoe match? Oh, Lord. That was Is, uh, just who, before the, the, my the loser time. Had, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. The, the loser had to kiss a woman of the winner's choosing from the audience. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. There's one. Uh, how can we talk about awful, uh, you know, goofy or awful gimmick matches and not bring up Tough Enough, though? Or not Tough Enough, I'm sorry, Brawl for All. Yeah, that was a disaster. Was it? Yeah, I mean, you got you to you If you were a Butterbean fan, it worked great. <laughs> if you were a Butterbean, it worked great. He made out like a bandit. He looked like a million bucks. Yeah, that thing just didn't work out from the beginning. I think the whole idea was they figured that uh, uh, Dr. Jeff Steve Williams was going to win the whole thing. He'd get a big push, and it's kind of <laughs> like Bart Gunn gone. One... Yeah, and then Bart Gunn wins the whole thing. It's kind of like, <laughs> what are we going to do with him? I know. Let's put him in the ring with an actual boxer. And, uh, I, you know. I think uh, – I think... I think Jim Cornette made a great uh, comment about it. They did a uh, – I think it was one of those uh, 
Mm, it was some. He did a, a documentary about the whole tournament, and Jim Cornette made a comment on it, and he said uh, somebody in the back thought we've got a locker room full of guys that think they're legitimate tough guys. Let's go let them go out there and be legitimate tough guys, and half of them weren't legitimate tough guys. <laughs> yeah, that's. I would say a good sign that it's going to be an odd gimmick match is if it starts with the word reverse, like a reverse <laughs> battle royal or a reverse ladder match or like a, a last blood match. I saw that uh, at an indie show in Philadelphia. It was a battle royal. It was like 10 guys. Yeah, the, it was whoever bled last won. Uh, so, yeah, if it starts with a reverse concept, it's probably not going to be entertaining. The one that took me the longest to get behind as far as something they were going to have routinely on television was the King of the Mountain match. I was just going to say that, but I learned to yeah. really like that match once I got into it. Like you said, the first time it was utter Same. confusion, but then, yeah, that was one of my favorite gimmicks. Same. You know, that brings to memory, my memory. From the- like, if you guys were watching the tail end of the AWA, they actually had a battle royal where they uh, a frozen turkey on a pole, and the object <laughs> was to the guy that grabbed the frozen turkey, and they said that since Thanksgiving and Christmas was coming up, this was a coveted prize to win because then they would have the dinner for the holiday meal covered. So they actually used a frozen turkey <laughs> as a major prize for this battle royal on AWA TV right there on ESPN. And after the match, Vern probably took the turkey back and gave him an envelope with a piece of paper saying, you got, you can always say you got to wrestle for a turkey. And that was their PO. <laughs> I got to make one more before we get off topic. <laughs> we, can't, we can't get out of this topic and not mention the Judy Bagwell on a pole match. Yes. They used a forklift for the poor woman. <laughs> oh, God. You know, this goes back to the early 60s, and this was uh, back in the Amarillo Territory. Dory Jr. and Terry had not started wrestling yet, but Dory Sr. was the uh, main draw there. And he bragged at that time. He said, I have never bled in a ring and he would have challenges to any wrestler who could get in the ring and make him bleed. And uh, finally, a guy called the Bat uh, gets in and makes him bleed, takes $100 and takes off running down the street in his mask. And Dory starts complaining, says, the man cheated. He said, he used a razor blade on me, and he produces a razor blade. And I'm thinking, like, gosh, in a way you're you know, now I'm going like, well, in a way you're exposing, but without exposing. But it was just it was just an interesting thing I remember when I was about probably seven or eight years old that Dory had these challenge matches. Uh, I've never bled in the ring, uh, and the first man that can make me bleed will win $100, which, but uh, when it actually happens, he produces a razor blade and says, look, he used a razor blade only, he cheated. That's way ahead of its time to do something like that. Yeah. It just was, uh, of course, back then, we Marks didn't realize that, you know, razor blades were used like that. We're going like, 
I can't believe somebody used a razor blade to make somebody bleed, not realizing that Dory probably used it on himself to juice. Exactly, yeah. That's a little bit risky to do that even back then, to have the yeah. crowd kind of know that that was something that could go down. Yeah, like this is probably, I'm, I'm guessing around 1962, somewhere around there, and that was, uh, it was just kind of an odd, I mean, I look, it didn't. It didn't seem that odd then, because I was a kid. But I look back now and going, I just. It just seems like something that, uh, like I say, is a risky thing to do. A little self-aware on that side, yeah. Yeah. Nope. It was great calling in. Thank you so much for taking the call, Stein guy. The wife and I have to go do things, but hopefully we'll catch you at the next Timber Pro Show. Once again, always fun. Love you guys. Support Indy Wrestling. All right, thank you, guys. All right, well, one of the other gimmicky aspects in wrestling is something we still see today. Maybe it's even a little more common, that being odd gimmick-based promotions. You have promotions like WOW Women of Wrestling, GLOW, you have all midget promotions. Uh, you have Hood Slam, Chikara, my personal favorite, Gouge. But these are all sort of gimmick promotions. Jarvis, do you have either a beloved or reviled gimmick promotion that you've seen? Hmm. Well, I'm just at a loss for words on some of these things tonight. I do know that they have uh, regular midget wrestling that come, that's still working the circuit throughout the country. They usually work in bars and stuff. But uh, I, I never liked the intergender tag team matches, even when, as a kid. Uh, you, know, you had a man and a woman versus a man and a woman, of course, you know, with a man tag. I don't know why. It just, it just never worked for me uh, back then. I guess it still doesn't. Fair enough. Chris Marks, how about you? Do you ever pick a favorite or a hated gimmicky promotion? Yeah, um, mine would be, I guess, closer to Beloved um, or Missed Opportunity. Uh, there was a company I was talking to in Florida about doing a, 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 a going down and working for them myself. Um, they're called Manor Professional Wrestling. They have unfortunately closed for business. I think COVID did them in. Um, I haven't heard from them for quite a while, and their website says they're closed and everything. But uh, they're a really interesting concept. They are pro wrestling dinner theater. Um, hmm. They do. Uh, they they have like a whole story arc where um, there is a princess and she has a uh, some sort of some sort of uh, treasure that has magic powers and it's been stolen by a heel wrestler and there's a tournament and that's why the wrestling matches are happening because the good guy wrestlers are trying to obtain the treasure for the princess and the heel wrestlers are trying to get it for the bad guy um and by the end of the night one of the two sides wins and it was very entertaining when i watched a couple of videos on how it worked and a lot of the guys that worked in the company were very talented but unfortunately the company has closed we had an indie show here in dallas i'm saying about four or five years ago 
And it was kind of interesting because it was at South Fork Ranch where uh, the TV series Dallas took place. And the theme was Who Shot J.R.? And they brought Jim Ross in as a special guest. And uh, the whole thing was themed around uh, the old uh, TV late-night soap opera, I guess you'd call it, uh, Dallas. But it was interesting. They brought in a lot of people, like Chavo Guerrero was in there. Was there the Von Erichs, you know, the young Von Erichs, the Kevin Sons, and uh, Rick's uh, not Rick, but uh, uh, Steiner. Uh, man, my brain is uh, Scotty going away. Yeah, Scott. Scott was there. No, I take it back. It was Rick. I've met Scott before. But was, yeah, Rick Steiner was there. Uh, just you know, uh, Morrison. Uh, I can't even think of these guys, but, you know, a number of guys, MVP. In fact, I bought MVP a beer before, about an hour before he wrestled because he, he wanted one. But it was just kind of interesting to see all these uh, stars and former stars showing up for uh, a big indie show. But I think the whole theme, that Charlene Tilton, who was one of the stars on that show, was uh, was there too. But it's just kind of interesting how they brought all this together and uh, sold out a a building at the old uh, ranch where the TV series Dallas was filmed. Uh, one of the oddest gimmick type of promotions I've seen, and this was on national television, was Lucha Underground. It was, for a lack of a better way of explaining it, a television show that had wrestling in it, but it's main focus was sort of the soap opera type of aspects to it where they did on location shoots and they did a really soap opera type of dialogue and then they would have these really good wrestling matches mixed in with it but it was just a really odd presentation wasn't like anything I'd ever seen before or since I mean that's very lucha though you know, it is, but to see it at kind of at a mainstream American level because they were shooting for an American audience, basically, which is really kind mm-hmm. of odd compared to everything else. Yeah, yeah I, think it was, I think it was just the, the production company's intent was to try to take a product that has worked in in South America and Mexico for quite a while and try to Americanize it. And, you know, they did, I think they did the right thing by having talented guys and making sure the matches were good and stuff like that. But a lot of the storylines were really over the top and they had to include some of that in matches and the matches would suffer because of that and everything. But I, I think that, you know, some guys got some TV time that wouldn't have, but just based on the fact that that show existed. And I think they did the best they could with what they had available. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure. and I think some of the lucha stuff became more. People became more aware of it in this country after uh, that movie Nacho Libre, because it was for sure. you know, a comedy movie. But I, I don't think you know, unless you're a wrestling fan, you had no clue at all what lucha libre was. But now it's become pretty much a part of American lexicon because of uh, Jack Black's movie. Yeah, gr- uh, growing well, up watching. Uh, WCW try to bring Lucha into the forefront of of an American audience and everything. It's kind of where I got into the mindset that 
it would be really entertaining for me as a as a fan at the time. I, I would always say, you know, I really enjoy watching these guys work, but there aren't any big luchadors. Like the biggest one on TV at the time was probably La Parca, you know, and he's he isn't a physically large man. He's big, but not, you know, compared to a Kevin Nash or a Goldberg or a Scott Hall, who he's working with at the time. Um, and now that I'm a bigger guy and wearing a mask and everything, it, it was great seeing guys like Mil Mortis and stuff like that and Lucha Underground getting some TV time. You know, I think that era too when they brought in the Lucha at WCW has kind that was kind of a changing point for the business altogether. And I think it's a it's kind of uh, what we've got a lot now because in before then you didn't see smaller guys in wrestling. You. If you thought about a pro wrestler, you were always thinking about Bruiser Brody, Dick the Bruiser, Killer Carl. Totally you were agree. thinking about all these big guys, but it seems like it began to change a little style. And wrestling, because of the luchador movement in the WCW, has become more high-spot and high-flying since then than it was before. And that and that did nothing but help guys that were that size on the roster that weren't lucha, guys like Benoit and Guerrero and um uh Dean Malenko and stuff like that guys that were you know the same size as the lucha guys that they were trying to push as mid card bigger talent uh, i think it helped get those guys over that these luchadors were in there doing their thing and you know you could showcase guys that weren't Hulk Hogan size and 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 have them be an entertaining legitimate part of the show well i was i remember the kid reading the wrestling magazines and had results from all over the world and I'd see all the British results, and they had weight divisions just like boxing. You know, had bantamweight, welterweight, light heavy, heavy. And uh, I guess back then, the English pro wrestling, a lot of it was done by rounds, just like a pro boxing match. And as a kid, I was just fascinated because I thought, to me, wrestling was always just big guys. Very true. Now, I'm... A bit of an odd side note here. The person that introduced the term cruiserweight to WCW, Kevin Sullivan, who is a fan of boxing and wanted to borrow that to bring in some of the smaller guys. Yeah, I mean, really unfairly represented guy in the business, I think. He did a lot for the business, and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Agreed. You know, it's kind of fun funny i was at a wrestling show a couple of years ago and uh, i was standing about three feet from some guy and i didn't even recognize him until later but it was kevin sullivan i was you know very surprised to see, you know I, I of course he didn't look quite the same as he did back then but he is a rather you know small man for pro wrestling now, i'm not that large myself or I, I was about 225 probably about five eight or nine i've lost a couple of inches to age since then but i was just you know i just was surprised that i didn't recognize kevin sullivan until somebody had pointed him out to me a little later and we kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier but also in wrestling there has been the odd gimmick titles and prizes that wrestlers have competed for over the years. Uh, we've seen medallions. We've seen, of course, the frozen turkey I mentioned. People have wrestled for the services of a valet or a manager before. You've seen matches where 
wrestlers will wrestle for the 24 idol that can be defended anywhere in the world, 24 hours a day, things of that nature. Jarvis, what would you say is the oddest gimmick type championship that you've seen? I don't know if I'd call it even that odd, but I do remember uh, the Kevin Von Erich versus uh, Jimmy Garvin match where the uh, loser had to be the servant of the winner for a full day. And, of course, Garvin and Sunshine ended up working on uh, Kevin's ranch, and eventually it ended up in a brawl in the barn. And uh, it sounds like it's kind of a lame gimmick, but it worked real well. I mean, it was really went over with the fans because Garvin and Kevin, even though they were like Kevin David, even though they were best friends, I mean, they really sold their – they sold it that they just hated each other's guts. And there's no way you could convince anybody that they weren't uh, that they weren't best friends and that David brought him in for that. But that it, just how that worked, you know, that they – the idea that the loser would be uh, the servant of the other guy for one day after, you know, losing – Chris Marks, how about you? What's the oddest gimmick type of title or prize that you've seen? Well, I mean, it, it, when you say that, the first thing that comes to mind for me is you were talking about, like, when the hardcore title used to be defended 24-7. You know, the first, I mean, I think everybody, the first name that comes to mind on that was Crash Holly. I mean, the guy did so many funny goofy silly gimmicks as far as defending that title 24 7 i distinctly recall al snow uh pinning him at the luggage pickup at an airport one time and they got that on camera which was hilarious um i the for me the funniest gimmick match that i've ever seen the the one the one that is is a guilty pleasure of mine is the gulf of mexico match that they had in uh wwe cw Believe I was uh, Chavo Guerrero in that as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. That was kind of an odd thing. What um, was the premise also, you were talking about the uh, you were talking about that match where the the loser had to be the servant for the day for the other. I, if I'm not I'm not mistaken, didn't Cameron Grimes and Eli Drake just redo that in NXT like a year ago? We're like, yes, yes, Cameron Grimes had to be, or LA Knight. He's LA Knight down in NXT, but it was like LA Knight won, and Cameron Grimes had to be his butler for a year or something like that. Yeah, it was like, I think they did it for around a month, but he had to wear the butler uniform, and he would go out to the ring with him as the butler and so forth. Yeah. Mm hmm. That uh, that Gulf of Mexico match, it uh, was uh, CM Punk in, in Guerrero, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's the exact about it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. what was the premise of the Gulf of Mexico match? I'm going to be honest, I'm not real familiar you, with it. You you had to throw your opponent into the Gulf of Mexico to win. <laughs> they were in, <laughs> I think they they were in a, a, a Texas a coastal city and the, the winner had to throw the opponent off of a pier into the Gulf of Mexico, but the match started in the ring. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, 
Well, I'm glad they didn't start it on in the ECW arena in Philadelphia because that would have been quite a long match. Uh, absolutely. Uh, hey, so, somebody help me jog my memory. Didn't WCW do something with Hogan where he was in like a moving semi truck for oh. a match? They like were a flat in bed. a, a ring on a flatbed or something. Which is a monster truck challenge. He in the giant, and they made a big circle on top of the roof of the Cobo Hall, and the object was I to force the other monster truck out of the circle. I remember that. I, that... I, I'm going to Google this. I swear WCW did something where they were on the back of a flatbed moving semi-truck. It seems oh, yes, right. that it, was it, it, that... the Blacktop match with uh, Blacktop Bully versus Dustin Rhodes. What was the – is this the one where uh, – That's right, think, yeah. yeah. Somebody gets pushed off the building and they're kayfabing that he may have been killed or something. Yeah, that's that That was the uh, monster truck challenge. Yeah, the giant fell off the roof mm-hmm. and then came back 20 minutes later for his match. <laughs> they did, that, they did a, a gimmick where somebody fell off the top of uh, Titan Towers, too, when they did that Money in the Bank match during COVID where the, it was the men's and women's Money in the Bank match happening at the same time, and it was in the headquarters building for WWE. Yeah, it was uh, Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black. That's they right. both went over. That's right, yeah. And the, we were supposed to believe that both of them fell off the top of Titan Towers. They actually explained it the next week and said that there was a ledge, and they landed on a ledge, so they were fine. Oh, it was so bad. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. I don't know how we forgot to mention this, but Ray Mysterio Jr. also had the privilege of being in the eye for an eye match where the loser oh. had to be the one whose eyeball came out. <laughs> so His bad. Eyeball came out? Yeah, the object was to pull was, the eyeball the out of his right? opponent. Oh, gosh. Was, uh, he, he wrestled Seth Rollins, and it was like the – the you had to to win you had to like gouge the other guy's eye out or something. <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. It was horrifically bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Some of the stuff gets so ludicrous now. I mean, uh, there's you know, of course they're not trying to protect the business anymore. But I can remember when some of these things would come on and. Uh, Gandar Akbar would just go into a rage about modern wrestling and how he couldn't stand it because it had become so gimmicky. Once in a while, we'll see a wrestler that's been around for a while reinvent themselves with what looks to be a really odd gimmick, but it ends Uh up working and buying a little bit more time in their career. Jarvis, can you think of an example where a guy that had been around for quite a while all of a sudden was a totally new gimmick and actually made it work? I don't know if it really worked, but a lot of times I think about, of course, he stayed through the years with Terry Funk as Chainsaw Charlie was one of them because it just seemed like uh, Terry just kept reinventing and reinventing and reinventing himself because – Seems like he was so hooked on the business that he 
just never could leave. But I think of Chainsaw Charlie as one of those. Uh, I think a few things. I just uh, because you do see that. I mean, there's there's something about. I mean, I didn't do it often. Of course, I was too old to be doing it when I did it. But uh, there's something about once you leave the ring, boxing, wrestling, or something, that you you still miss it. I mean, like uh, a lot of people are knocking Flair for his seventy-something uh, year. You, you know having his last match in the 70s, and I'm sitting there going like, good grief, if I had the chance, I'd almost do it again too. But, of course, I don't have the same ability or stuff. But, yeah, it, it, there's something about that. I mean, you see uh, so many guys from back in the 80s are still – what's that? I think not the fan of the uh, – trying to think of these guys. They were, they were way over in uh, WCW, but uh, – Gosh, they're still they're still wrestling, but they look like a couple of old women now. I hate, hate saying that, but they they just can't let go of it. Chris Burns, no, talking about you? the Rock and Roll Express, are you? I'm sorry. I said you're not talking about the Rock and Roll Express, are you? Yes, I am, and I'm, I, I don't mean <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of them, but my gosh, I'm going no, like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and you know, uh, God bless them. I guess if I had, if I had them, I might be doing it too. But every time I see them show up, I'm going like, guys, please, you, you're killing your credibility. You know, I, I would say killing the credibility of wrestling, but I'm to a lot of people, I don't think that exists like it used to. <laughs> I just see them. I'm going like, oh, please no, please no. <laughs> uh, just stick to finding a lot of guys. Still throw that double drop kick. <laughs> yeah, they can. They can. I mean, you know, they just really uh, – uh, it's amazing what they do, but you just sit there and going like – I mean, I don't even know how old those guys are. They, are they they got to be at least in the mid-60s, I would think. I believe Ricky Morton is like 65 now, and Gibson's maybe – he might be a year or two older. Yeah. I mean, to me, I'm just – I'm glad I can still get up and go to the refrigerator and get a beer. I mean, much less get in a ring. <laughs> Chris Marks, you got one that comes to mind, a guy that was around for quite a while that adopted an odd gimmick to stretch things out? Oh, one that adopted an odd gimmick. It's, it's so often the other way around. They start with an odd gimmick and they eventually, you know, become themselves. Uh, you've got to think of guys like Kevin Nash and, and Kane there. I mean, Kevin Nash did Oz and all that other stuff in WCW and eventually, you know, came up with Diesel and, and then was just Kevin Nash and did so well. And then, you know, Kane did, did I mentioned earlier, the, the awful Christmas gimmick and Isaac Yankum and all that other stuff. And then eventually we get Kane, you know, it's so often the other way around. Um I can tell you, I, I can tell you one that tried and failed is is uh, Kevin Thorne. I mean, he did that the vampire gimmick in the ECW run, and then became Mordecai, and that just fell on its face. That is true. Although he still breaks that out once in a while in the Midwest Independent Circuit. Sure, sure. I, I mean, you know, I. I I wouldn't say it's a, it's a, I don't I don't know if it would fit the odd gimmick question, but I mean Jericho's just constantly reinventing himself with 
whatever ridiculous over the top gimmick he can and and it just works every single time. I mean, for a while you thought he was done and then bam there's LED lights Jericho and he's and he's a, a you know Bon Jovi look like and then you think that's done and then bam Kyle comes the list of Jericho and now he's the Le Champion and he's re- he's recycling every gimmick he ever had. He's doing Lionheart and all that other stuff again. So, I mean I, that that's a success story, not him pulling out old odd stuff and 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 reinvent. It's just that's a success story. Yeah, I think about Matt Bourne back in the day. He was like, "Who am I this week?" Right, right. I'm going to throw out as an example in this probably bottom another three or four years. George the Animal Steel, who is more of a, like, scary monster type of deal, and then he switched to a 180, became like the comical mental patient type of George the Animal Steel that most people recall. But same basic concept, but he flipped the switch and made it a different type of gimmick. And then uh, also an odd gimmick, the missing link. Not about Dewey Robertson, probably another 10 years of his career, going from just a straight-ahead pro wrestler to the wild guy that would bang his head on a turnbuckle and wore the green face paint and have the little... That's not a bad example. One. That's a good example. Excellent example. Guys, we're getting down to the last bit of the show today. I want to make sure you guys get a chance to say anything, plug anything you want. Jarvis, if there's anything you want to say to the listeners or plug anything in the world that you would like, floor is yours. Well, I'm just kind of enjoying life now. I'm uh, trying to get back into doing, uh, I do kids' magic shows. And trying to do shows on uh, anti-bullying, child safety, and those kind of things. Just, uh, I just, you know, not, nothing spectacular. I, you know, I'll watch wrestling tonight, and then I'll go back in the backyard and have a beer and feed, feed the possums. <laughs> but, uh, no, I don't have anything I'm really promoting right now. I'm just uh, trying to get back into doing my magic and getting back into doing, you know, school, shows and schools and stuff. But, but I do use, uh, rest, you know, being a wrestler as a hook for those things. But I, I'll tell you this. i I was in there for a short while. I got started later. I wish I'd got started in my 20s. I had so much fun doing it. Uh, there was a wrestling school down at the gym I worked out in, and I went down there. I couldn't afford it, but uh, Bruiser, I was friends with Bruiser Brody at the time, and he asked me, he said, are you going to that school? I said, no, it's a good. He said, I just asked you not. He said, I just don't want to see you get in this place. He said, you're my friend, and I don't want to see you get hurt. But uh, as much as I, I, I thought of Frank, I kind of wish I had taken a shot at it when I was younger. Chris Marks, what about you? Anything you want to say, plug, or promote? Uh, well, I mean, as far as promotion goes, you guys can catch me at any Northwest Pro show. we got another one coming up. I think it's September 17th at the Key Peninsula Civic Center in Vaughn, so you guys can catch me at those. Um if you need some merch, I've got a uh, pro wrestling tea store. I've got a uh, brain buster tea store. You can pick up my merch at shows. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, TikTok. I do a lot of TikTok. Um, but yeah, just, you know, check all that stuff out. But hey, before we go, I, 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 I can I ask a question to, to the group before we go? We got time for that? Absolutely. 
so we I, at the beginning I was telling you that I that that some of these gimmicks that that have been silly and goofy over the years and everything are sometimes guilty pleasures. What would you guys say is the the one that was like goofy and silly, but definitely a guilty pleasure? You had to see it every time it was on TV, that kind of thing. I think one Ox Baker was a very scary professional wrestler back in the sixties, seventies, but. During uh, the mid-70s, he did kind of a parody of himself and came out and did a goofy version of The Office, which is a total comedy uh, wrestling thing. And uh, I remember as a kid, I just had to watch this silly guy called The Ox. And, you know, he was kayfaving everybody because he wasn't admitting that he was Ox Baker. He just had a different, he had these goofy tennis shoes. He had these gym shorts, you know, shaved the mustache for a while, but just presented a totally comical version of himself but uh, I remember just watching it and dying laughing when he'd come on TV I can say that goes way way back for me and it's not really television because he never made it on national TV per se but Seymour Snop from Gouge fantastic for what he does uh, the mathlete he does the gimmick better than anyone else I've seen do it. I've seen a few people kind of imitate what he does, but he does it better than the imitators, <laughs> I think. So I'm going to go see more snot. I got one uh, more. For, okay, go ahead. Yeah. There was a guy we had on the Indies about 20 years ago. He called himself Bull Schmidt. And uh, he would they do interviews and he would talk about how the little kids uh, tell him to be safe and all that. He said, I don't want to see anything happening to my little bullshitters. I hate to pull from national stage, but that's where I got the idea for the, the show in the first place. I, for me, it's it's a tie. I, I, I don't hide this from anybody. I Back in the day, it was a huge mark for Glacier in WCW. He was like the epitome of the over-the-top gimmick. I I, lo- I ate it with a spoon every time he was on TV. I know the guy generally wasn't that good in the ring, but, man, it, I, talk about living the gimmick. That guy leaned into it 150% and still does to this day. And to all accounts from what I've heard, is like one of the nicest guys in the world in the locker room. So, like, more power to him for, for leaning into it 100% since that's what WCW asked him to do at the time, you know what I mean? Um, and then my other one would be – Jimmy Wang Yang, uh, when he came yeah. over to WWE. Oh, my God, I used to just die laughing at Jimmy Wang Yang. And not to mention he'd get in the ring and wrestle his ass off and entertain the shit out of people in the ring. So to have just the silliest, funniest gimmick in the world coming down to the ring and then get in the ring and do it like he was doing it, man, I love that guy to death. And he's still doing it now oh. with his daughter, which is awesome. Yeah, I love that. He did a little country western dance, which really sold it and stuff. And the only thing with Glacier was, I think the only problem with Glacier, why he wasn't as well received as he could have been, he probably had the biggest buildup of anybody in history. And I mean, good Lord, nobody, nobody could have lived up to that. <laughs> also, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure people know this if, if you've looked into that time frame at all, but like WCW was trying to get a business deal with uh, Konami and, and was trying to license uh wrestlers in their company with the Mortal Kombat video games that were coming out. So like yeah. the original idea for Glacier was for him to end up in a Mortal Kombat game. Same thing with Wrath, same thing with uh uh what what the hell was Canyon's original name? Uh Mortis. 
all three of them were supposed yeah. to be in a Mortal Kombat game together or a version of a Mortal Kombat game together. But I, I loved all three of those gimmicks. And Mortis, again, the, another great example of a guy that came out in the gimmick that was kind of silly and could wrestle his ass off. I guess Definitely Silly is so. remember with a ding dong. <laughs> remember the ding dong? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ding dong. I remember when Jim Cornette used to ask on commentary, which one is ding, which one is dong? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason, and when then, you and I were first talking about doing the show, you remember we brought up the, the Ninja Turtle gimmick in, in WWE when, on, uh, on Shotgun Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That was Dwayne yeah, they Dillard, also had a version in Memphis called Cowabunga the Turtle that wow. lasted for a while. That was Dwayne Gill, right? In the in the in the in the Ninja Turtle stuff. Yeah, in the WWF it was Dwayne Gill, and then in Memphis, believe it or not, it was Mark Hildebrandt who was referee Mark Curtis. Mhm. Mhm. Well, I can remember the mid '60s when uh, the Batman they had a Batman and Robin tag team that was uh, oh. actually they were actually in the wrestling magazines. I mean, was that you know is that gimmick was. was a lot of people took notice on that back then, Batman and Robin. So, and, uh, I mean, you know, if we're talking about celebrity appearances, you can't forget that RoboCop was in WCW. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, I can remember, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think, uh, oh, he's, uh, it was, it was uh, Terry Gordy's son, uh, and Luke Gallo, I think it was a tag team, but they had the masked magician on there who was exposing magic tricks on the Fox Network, and they had them there with uh, uh, Festus and whatever. And I kept sitting there. I hated that guy so bad because he was exposing magic on TV, and I was going, like, if you guys want to shoot on this guy and put him out of, out of business, I'd be happy about that. But <laughs> <laughs> and then I can remember Jerry Lawler attacking Tiny Tim with a ukulele. Oh, yeah, on the King's Court. Yeah. Well, guys, I've got to jump into my booking here. I'm going to be here at uh, Renegade Wrestling Attractions and Ocean Shores, but I want to thank both of you for coming on the show today. I appreciate it greatly. It's been an absolute blast talking to you guys about odd gimmicks. And Chris Marks, thank you for the idea. I think it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was fun, man. It's fun. All right, man. Get out there, support your local independence if you have something near you. We will talk to you soon. Oh, God.